0: Folks, this is Barack Lurie at the Barack Lurie podcast with my good friend and producer Ari David. Always a pleasure. Um, I think people like that. People like to, to hear that things can be a pleasure, and it's uh, it's the little joys in life that we make, right? I mean, is it
1: better than saying always torture, <laughs> always monotony? Or, let's get this over with. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> that's I, I don't think that's where we want to be. Um, now, certainly you know you want you want to be fi- try to find joy in whatever you do. you know life is tough enough as it is, and I think you and I were saying in another podcast, and if not in another podcast, certainly in, in our lives, generally speaking, you know there's so few things that are truly just great, wonderful achievements in your life, whether you 're graduating from high school or otherwise. So, what do I do? I borrow happiness from other people. <laughs> Um, and I mean it. I, I mean like my, my niece graduated from, is going to be graduating from college. It's a big thrill for me. Um, you know, I'm going to ride on that. I, I just, I'm happy for her and it makes me happy too. And uh, if somebody gets a great result in another case, an, an attorney friend of mine, I'm going to brag about that, you know, to my friends as well. And uh, it makes me happy. So why not? It's, there's only so many times that we can all get the, the thrill of, of life. So enjoy other people's successes at the meantime. But um, here's a success uh, that uh, I don't think happened, and I'm I'm enjoying its epic fail, and that is the epic fail of global warming. You know, Ari, why you believe, why you still insist on believing on global warming, and uh, it really just it just gets my goat. I, I don't know how you, you get there. But one day, I'll turn you on this issue.
1: Can't I just tell you really quick why I believe in man-made global warming? Yes. Because men made it up out of whole cloth. Oh, that's it. Good <laughs> answer. They just said, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... Uh, so how can you not believe that's right, that? That's
0: right. Exactly right. What is it? The IPCC recently came out with a, uh, a, a study, uh, one of their famous studies, of course, and... and uh, yeah, all the newscasters are coming out with this very important, urgent news, and they have the you know the dramatic music that uh, leads into all of their news segments, saying um, we should worry and worry a lot. <laughs> uh, the UN has just come out with an a, a critical uh, report showing that we must do something or face imminent doom. Uh, and so, so in other words, they're, they're just doubling down on the global warming story, right? Um, things are just so horrible, and this is this is the latest trick that they have. Uh, the debate is settled, of course, as they always say, um, but it just gets more and more hot, as it were. Uh, never mind that um, what was it? By twenty thirteen, um, we were going to have all these climate refugees. Remember that millions and millions of climate refugees, um, and that by twenty ten, the polar ice caps maybe it was 2013, 13, doesn't matter because it's already in the past, that were, there was going to be no ice to speak of in the polar ice caps. Okay, I mean, how anybody could say that? I mean, you could say it's thinner, you could say it's three inches thinner. You know, that's hard to kind of argue with, right? But it's easy to argue with when somebody says there's not going to be any ice at all in the north or the south poles. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty hot. My friends, that's going to be really hot. Um, so that's what, that's what they have there. But here's, here's what I want, really want to talk about today. Because the global warming thing is, is so, it's so imploded. Not only are the facts not syncing with everything that they had claimed would happen, 10 years hence, and when I say 10 years hence, I meant from 2002, 2003, when they first really kind of rejiggered the whole global warming movement through uh, Al Gore's movie. The uh, inconvenient truth thing, thing. Not only that, um, but they, they argue that the debate is over, right? This is, this is that mantra that they had over and over again. The debate is over. There's no thinking about this. We're good to go on this. So, so not only do they, they just don't jive whatsoever with reality, they still double down. Uh, they ignore everything else. And they, they, now they're trying to scare us all the more because that's what you do. Um, and I see this in litigation by the way the more desperate the other side is the, the, the greater the octave with which they speak right? They're more intense suddenly about it.
1: Stop this cover up. Stop exactly. yeah. this cover up.
0: Right and also the more inane <laughs> the,
1: the, <laughs> the shrill becomes itself you know, the it's gloves like,
0: don't fit you must, must quit. Right. Or you know Holocaust denier, that's a yeah. classic example um and I, and I always like to say, no, I'm a, I'm a Holocaust. I'm beyond a Holocaust denier. I'm a Holocaust blasphemer. You know, that's right, that's because I, I want them to recognize that what they're spouting is in fact religion. And uh, I'm blaspheming against, let, let's call a spade a spade. You and I are blaspheming uh, against their religion called global warming.
1: Yeah, we are, we, are the, we are Abraham in his father's idol shop shattering the idols. Without yes. hammers, we, we're happily swinging away at them. That's Even right. if it's a death penalty, warranted offense.
0: That's right. Happily swinging away and saying, you know, what are you going to do now, Moses? <laughs> no, I'm kidding around. What, what are you going to do now, Dad? I mean, it's it's these idols that you say were so powerful. Why aren't they stopping
1: me? Well, I thought Moses had a great. You know uh, how uh, George Washington had the I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I cut down the cherry tree. I think the story of Abraham is he put the hammer in one of the idol's hands and says, Dad, I think they had a fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny.
0: Oh, that's very funny.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what it should happen. That's what
0: should happen. Um, okay, so here, here's kind of, a, I'm going to have some fun with this. As you know, the debate is settled. I put that in air quotes when it comes to global warming, right? How about if we do the same thing? When it comes to using that phrase Because I think the debate is far more settled On many other areas The debate is settled for example That evolution is a crock The pure evolution is a crock Okay Survival of the fittest doesn't work we, the, the debate is really settled I mean nobody can seriously think But what are you talking about Barack There are a lot of scientists like that We We argue the same thing with global warming There are a lot of scientists Who are you know questioning the global warming thing, but you didn't listen to us. So we're just going to say the debate is we settled. We are decreeing we're the decreeing. science settled. That's right. The science is settled, and we have a bunch of scientists who all say. and you know what, we've asked all of them, and all of them agree with us. Not just 97%. All the ones that we chose to agree with us have agreed with us. We even paid them to make sure they agreed with us. <laughs> but why not? Why not? Well, they don't need to be paid because, you know, the, I think the science is there in our favor, but that's another Yeah, but story. we just said
1: that to keep it fair. Yeah, keep yeah, it fair. Keep it
0: fair. But putting that aside, uh, we can we can legitimately argue that the debate is science and we uh, is settled, and we have more science to actually back it up. We've talked about it on this podcast, this show, and and for that matter, on my Sunday shows. Uh, I think basically showing that beyond a reasonable doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt, that what we see around us is the product of intelligent design, not randomness. At the very least, not randomness. And I think that debate really. It's hard to say that it's anything other than settled. So I'm gonna make that argument. Here are other things that I think we can say the debate is settled. The debate is settled that higher taxes hurt the economy.
1: Okay? Let's just settle that. That's That's been proven time and time I again. I wish Republicans spoke that way. Do you know how powerful it would be if a yeah. Republican had the guts to actually say that? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice, it's true. The debate is settled that uh,
0: regulations hurt the economy and move jobs away. When, when people talk about shipping jobs overseas as if somehow, you know, you, you get this idea of like, you know, there's a crate and you, you stamp on, you know, the, the words jobs, jobs. <laughs> and it's now being Ship shipped over. over. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> One American job being yeah. shipped over. Um, and, and, you know, it's a
1: freighter. Yeah. I love when Obama says, "You know,
0: uh, you know, hijacked and you know by pirates in Somalia." But that's another yeah. story. And
1: I love how Obama says jobs are being shipped overseas by Republicans to Mexico and Canada. Overseas. Oh, yeah, so Mexico, and
0: Well, you know, he, he, he does know because you know he's he should know better because he's been to all the fifty-seven states, and uh, you know he, he he knows his geography. Uh, another one is, right.
1: of course, the minimum wage. The science is settled on that. Science. High stuff. minimum wage, any minimum wage, kills jobs. And it kills the jobs that are on their way to China. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: it, it, it settled that um, higher regulations ship jobs overseas. That's that's what causes it, my friends. It's, it doesn't. It, it's not that we just love shipping jobs. It's expensive to ship a job overseas. Why would you do that when you could use it here locally? I,
1: I actually have a really good example of that. Um, we we're talking about a certain model of TV, and not to bore you with that, you know, I bought one of these TVs. And I looked at the box, and it 's a Korean make of TV on the box guess what it says made Just in. Guess. <laughs> right made in Mexico, yeah, the Koreans thought that the price for labor in Asia is too high <laughs> well, that's so and they 're shipping to mexico yeah why not
0: you, you, you've got to, you have to think that whenever you try to increase the price somewhere here it 's going to be shipped somewhere else so it's, it' it, it, actually, it creates a threefold problem one is. Uh, employers don't hire you, so that it increases unemployment. I consider that a bad thing. Uh, it increases illegal immigration. I think that's a bad thing. And for whatever jobs there there are, the employer will ship it overseas, which I think is a bad thing. We'd like to have the, all those three things resolved in our favor and, and all those things can be resolved by not having a minimum wage whatsoever. So there you have it. Um, it's uh, I'd like to see that happen. Here's another thing. What about um, anything related to dealing with dictatorships? Is it, can we say that it's settled that coddling dictators doesn't work? Can we say that?
1: Not only can we say it, I'd say we decree it right here. We decree coddling I, dictators is only good for the dictator.
0: Right. It, it never helps. It has never worked ever in history. And I I think we have 100% background proof on that. I actually bro- broached the subject with, um, what's the guy's name, he used to be a communist and now he's a good conservative. David Horowitz. David Horowitz, exactly right. And I, I talked to him at uh, Stand With Us Function, a great guy, a good conservative. I like his background, I like his analysis. I like his anger as well. And I, I broached the subject with him and I said, don't you think that Diplomacy has never worked with a dictator in the history of the world. And he says, I don't know if you could do such a broad sweeping statement. What about uh, Reykjavik and Reagan? And I, I said to say, I mean, of course you're kidding, right? Because we we had all this muscle. I'm not saying that you have to have war. I'm saying that you have to have the threat of war. The, 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 that, that, was a bad, strength. that was
1: a bad example because Reagan yeah. walked away from the diplomacy and won because of it. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly right. But even had they worked out a deal, that deal would have been under incredible duress from from Gorbachev's point of view, saying, okay, fine, I'll sign whatever you want me to sign. Just don't blow us out of the sky, right? Uh, but you're right. Hey,
1: Reagan walked out of that room anyway. Yeah. Reagan was said, and it's a beautiful story, actually. Reagan said, no, we're keeping the strategic defense initiative. You, there's nothing you can do about it. It's non-negotiable. And you're either going to talk about reducing these weapons Or we're talking about nothing. And then Gorbachev babbled some communist stuff. And Reagan (laughs) did this. This is the most beautiful thing ever. Reagan started saying the names of the people in the gulags he wanted released. Wow. You know this yeah. guy's Solzhenitsyn. I think was out by that time, but yeah. people like Solzhenitsyn and and this guy Sucker and this and writer. writer,
0: yeah, Nathan Sharansky, for example. Yeah, I, I want these, this him.
1: guy released. I want this guy. Re- and uh, in Gorbachev's memoirs, he said he would turn to his people. They said, "This guy's nuts. Reagan's crazy." <laughs> He cares about these individuals, but he didn't understand But that's the core of conservatism. We care about individuals so much. We're willing to say, screw the negotiations. I want these individuals freed. That's right. And that's
0: that's how he turned it all around. Um, but we know, we can say that the debate is settled, right? I mean, why are we playing these games anymore? Why, why do we, I mean, we, we talked before about, in one of our podcasts, and one of my favorite ones was about how the discussion has been so limited and that we're, and, and I'm kind of waving my hand down below right now, we're talking, you know, at this low level when we shouldn't be. We're talking about these things that have been discussed and resolved in our minds, uh, and, and not just in our minds, in, in
1: reality. Yeah, we for decades, should, and for we decades. should have these high-level concepts, right. these high conversations. What's the future of humanity? What next, What's the next horizons we're going to explore? Right. What's the great technology for all of us? What's right. that great was, discoveries? That was, that was the topic of what,
0: what things are not on the table, but should be on the table, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, how do we spread liberty, right? How do we uh, maximize employment in, in the world? Um, how do we bring uh, other countries to, you know, to, to enjoy the same, to, to, to provide the same joys and blessings that America does? Why, why can't it be that every other country um, is, is, is an equally exciting place to escape from poverty,
1: yeah why can 't every other country have the same problem we have, which is too many overfed people rather than too many underfed yeah good example so um, these are the things that we have to
0: um, th- these are the things that we have to deal with always have to deal with this, but nevertheless, the debate i think is settled it is settled
1: I, I just thought of a, a con- sort of a conjoiner of that, which is um, you're, you're a chess player, right? And yeah. obviously very popular with your text messages. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, you know how you said we can settle the debate coddling dictators is only good for the dictator. As someone who plays chess, the debate is settled. Losing your queen leads to you getting checkmated. Right. The debate's settled. <laughs> right? So it's, if it's, that's it's
0: very, settled... It's very hard to win a game without a queen. Right. You just have to hope that the other side loses his queen somehow by... By happenstance, and then, then you're good to go. And doesn't get any pawns down exactly. on the stream. Yeah, but but it's yeah. you're right. It's, it once you uh, lose your queen in a in a chess game, it's a real uphill
1: battle. It's possible. It's yeah. just very. But very coddling uphill. dictators is essentially and assuming that's going to work is the same as losing a queen in a chess game against a good player who has their queen and assuming I'm going to win here in a cakewalk. You're not.
0: That's fair. That's a fair statement. But what we do know, coddling a dictator, and what I mean by that is simply even thinking that the way to deal with him is to negotiate. That's a language that he doesn't speak, right? I mean, it's it's like me trying to speak to a woman uh, like I speak to a guy. Right. I don't when I speak to you know, when, when you and I speak, we kind of rib each other every once in a while. We we'll say something funny like, hey, uh, are you a piece of crap or whatever? Like we'll joke around a little bit. Yeah,
1: you're going to wear that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> and we, we laugh at ourselves. And, you know, and, and that's the that's the way guys talk. But if I spoke like that to a woman, she'd take offense. She'd say, you know, it's just you would never even think to speak like that. And a woman wouldn't speak to another woman like that either. Maybe they do rip each other, but in a very kind of underhanded way. It's a very different language altogether. Likewise, dictators speak a different language than we speak. When we think about resolving a problem, we assume the person on the other end, uh, it just has to you know, get some of his needs fulfilled. It might be a question of resources or some money or some recognition. Um, and then all of a sudden you have a, a deal. A deal is brokered. That's the way it is in a democracy, but it ain't the way in a dictatorship because a dictatorship needs to be fed with power, and that's all it is. And the only way you can, you can help a dictator is by giving him more power. And so, so you're not speaking the same language. It's kind of
1: like you, the, the type of law you practice, negotiations, business deals. Right. It's like you're out here in civil society doing your kind of practice. Right. Now let's put you in prison and have you negotiating for cigarettes with a very dangerous criminal. Right. Right? That's the way it is negotiating with a dictator. It's a totally different context. All your let's find uh, mutually beneficial arrangements for us. Let's make this easy. Let's make this convenient. Yeah, let's and make they... this pain-free. That's yeah. not existent in that world. All
0: they see is, is power, and when you start negotiating with them, that's when they really play you. It's even, even when you open the door, even when you talk the language, then you've already lost. Yeah, the only wait, 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 wait. Right. And Ronald Reagan recognized that when he – the rake argument altogether. He didn't, he didn't even let the discussion begin. Um, he, he simply said, uh, we're having SDI. Don't even talk about it. And I, I want these men released that, that I'm listening down to you. And that was that. The second thing that is a problem once you do that – so, so you, you have a double-edged problem. One is that it doesn't work. We know that, right? But in addition, it weakens you as the democratic leader. If you're on the democratic side of the negotiation, it actually weakens you to even open that door. And that's what Ronald Reagan understood. So, for example, every time we go to North Korea and say, please don't uh, build your nuclear arms, please don't do so. We give him legitimacy as a legitimate leader of this communist country. And what we should be doing instead is, you're a rogue nation, you're a monster, you're evil. Uh, we are going to quarantine you. That's it. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm to throw uh, nuclear arms. We, sir, we're going to quarantine you. I'm going to, to, to blow up this nuclear arm. Sir, we're going to quarantine you. And, if you. and if you do anything that you're threatening whatsoever, we will blow you up forever. Okay, We're just not going to play this game for the rest of our lives. And in the meantime, your people are suffering. And you know what? We'll, we'll, we just will simply destroy you. We know that that debate is over, and that's where, where I want to go further. What other what other debates are there, in your mind, uh, that are simply over? Because we, we know that. They're
1: well, over. the biggest one for me is of course abortion. Yeah. the science is settled on that. Oh, good we point. We know. Based on forget abortion science, right. we know for childcare science, for neonatal, pre- prenatal, OBGYN science. You know, with the way we can look at babies in the womb for mothers who want to keep them. Right. Life begins at conception. That's a human being in there. It has feelings. It can hear what you're talking about. It can hear music. It can it can perceive the the mood of the mother. It can feel and is basically in all. Sense that, for all intents and purposes, it is it is a living human being. The science is completely settled on that, and science, by definition, is never settled. But on that one, that's settled. Yeah, it is settled, and it's also, and even so,
0: it, it, at the very least, we can all settle on the notion that we are discovering more and more that the, the the fetus is very aware of its It has feelings, like you said. It is a true life. It is it is. Uh, and, and a life that we we don't understand. It's not a, it's not a clump of tissues. That that much we can say. How about that? It's not a clump of
1: tissue. Um, here here are some other ones that uh, we can certainly uh, talk yeah, about. and and just to finish on that, if you want to have a, a debate of weighing the rights of that being versus the rights of a mother in a free society, that's a debate worth having. But the science is settled on whether or not that's a living human being. Yeah, the, the, the science is settled. Um, and look, you don't
0: have to like it. You don't have to like the idea of, uh, of a pro-life position. But, but don't, don't think for a moment that as we go forward learning science, which the left is very fond of saying that they're supportive of, but in fact are not. Don't think for a moment that uh, somehow the science won't continue to show that the fetus, as they like to call him, uh, is not experiencing uh, horrific pain and feelings in the process. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard. It's, it's you know, the, the left, if you can summarize it, there are many ways you can summarize the left, right? One of them is that they don't think of consequences. Um, another way is to think that it's, it's uh, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, right? As long as they don't see it, or out of sight, out of mind, how about that? As long as they don't see the job jobs being lost for with minimum wage, well, then they're okay with it. As long as they don't see the baby inside the womb, then they're okay with uh, killing it. That's really what it is i mean that's that's what was so powerful, not great at all, but so powerful about the story uh, from England, where they were disposing of the fetuses, the tissues, as it were. Um, it kind of begged the question right like what do what do they do with the uh the, the tissue? they got to get rid of it somewhere? Do they flush it down the toilet? Uh, no. Do they uh, put it in a trash uh, bin? No. Um, they put it somewhere. I mean, it's, the, the ugliness of the, of the kind of the reality of abortion is all of a sudden there. People, I think, when a lot of people on the left, when they think of abortion, they think of this, this notion of okay, well, they kill the baby and it's like, it just kind of disappears. And then they just walk out of the, uh, the, the, um, the medical room, wherever they, they're having the abortion. And they go about their way. Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they're, they're a little uncomfortable for a day or two. But, you know, then they go on their merry way and okay, life is okay. get have
1: unprotected sex that night. That Everything very night. will be fine. That's right. My right. That's yeah. right. That's exactly, exactly you, right. You, I believe, um, would get this because I believe you come from a family of great cartoonists, artists, satirists. Right. Mad right. Magazine, which I think you're father should have worked for, I mean, his talent was really wasted in time, uh, once had one of the most brilliant cartoon panels ever. The, ki- the words at the bottom were, what did the city of New York do with King Kong? And the picture was a whole bunch of people eating hamburgers. <laughs> That's a very funny thing. And it's the exact same thing what you just said. No one wants to know where those hamburgers came from. Right. That's, That's, right. Right. That's right. No one wants to know where they're going. <laughs> That's right. And now that we were told by the bottom of the panel, we really don't wish we didn't know. Well, this is part
0: of the reason why I've become vegan. As and it's not because uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm Gaia, you know I'm Mr. Gaia sort of thing. On the contrary, I, I asked the question of, like we're asking about abortion, simply to say, what, where does this food that's on my plate, where is it coming from? I I just kind of went back further and further and further. I mean, frankly, I think the analogy is pretty good. Yeah.
1: And I have good news for everyone. He's not going to be eating it. So more ribeye snake for me and everyone else. Okay. Cause he's not going to be eating any of it. Good.
0: But I'm not a proselytizer in that way. I, I I'm a very different kind of vegan. I, I told this to Dennis Prager. I said, uh, I am, you know, he was kind of ribbing me about this and, and I stepped out of the room from a, from a board meeting and he was saying, we were just making fun of you for being a vegan. And I said, Listen, you're welcome to do that, but I want you to know I'm a vegan that hates PETA, P-E-T-A, the people for the ethical treatment of animals. I despise these despise these people. Um, I'm, I'm vegan purely for health reasons. So you would support every PETA member being turned into yes. hamburgers and yes, the to people? Uh, I do not think you understand the gist of where I'm going with this, Monsieur. <laughs> okay, so no. I think you've gone off the reservation on that yeah. one. No, but it's it's very funny. No, I, I, I think that they're crazy over there. And that's, you know, they give vegans a bad name. That's the point. It's kind of like a, I think I was telling you about a friend of mine who was gay. And he, you know, he's he, he's not at all effeminate. He, you know, dresses as masculine as anyone else. And you, you wouldn't know. He's just one of those gay guys that you wouldn't know is gay. And he he always said, like, he's always embarrassed about being gay. And he's he's out of the closet, so it's not that. He's... He's just really embarrassed about it. And I said, why are you embarrassed about it? And he said, well, because, you know, I think people associate being gay with those guys in the, in the the gay pride parades, and they're all doing these crazy things, and they, they have a G-string up their butts, and, you know, they're practically nude as they walk around. And, and it's, frankly, it's disgusting, and it's embarrassing. And I, and I do think he's right that it's disgusting and it's embarrassing. It, you shouldn't be parading around like that. Um, and you shouldn't be in, in everyone's face with that. But I said... You know, I don't perceive all gay guys to be like that just because of those, you know, guys on the periphery. And but from his perspective, his concern was that's what he thought people thought. And I said, look, you know, I'm Jewish and I, you know, once in a blue moon, somebody Jewish will do something that's very stupid and very wrong. And, you know, and yes, I understand that. And then I worry, what will the world think about Jews? Is he is he giving Jews a bad name? This guy who may, maybe stole some money from his investors, for example. Uh, and I, you know, I've come to appreciate that we're just too sensitive on those things. And this, ga- this gay guy was also perhaps too sensitive about it. And now going back to the vegan thing, I think I'm sensitive about it. I, I think PETA, however, is the face of veganism, unfortunately. And uh, and if it's not PETA, it's these other people that throw, you know, paint on on your fur and they're very vocal about it, and I think they gave us a, a bad name. But there are many quiet vegans, like myself, who simply say, look, I just, I just want to be healthy. I, I don't want to participate in the slaughter of animals. I, I don't want that sort of pain in my plate. Do you in extend my, in my your plate.
1: veganism to leather jackets and fur coats?
0: Too? No, I don't. I really don't. Don't well, See, then you're not one of them. I'm, not, I'm totally not one of them. Yeah. Uh, look, if there's an option between an equally nice um, jacket that looks like full leather. I'm totally into full leather. Yeah, I'll buy it. Sure, or I won't go out of my way to buy the leather one, but you know what? Leather shoes. You know. I, th- by the way, they make some really nice non-leather shoes now, so I'm, I'm getting those. But um, sometimes, you know, I've got I've got nice taste in clothes, and and sometimes that'll yeah, entail, is, that'll this,
1: entail some leather. This has to do with things you're putting into your right body that right. you're gonna, you know. Yeah, it's a yeah.
0: different. It's it, literally it's a different animal, yeah. so to speak. And um, these guys just make it bad for us. So anyway, I do it for health. The fact that I'm not contributing to the suffering of animals, or like, at least lessening my cont- my contribution to the suffering of animals, great. I'm all I'm all for that. But really, it turns out, it just turns out that eating a plant-based diet is really good for you. It just happens to be, and we're just not meant to eat the animals. And that's that. But again, I digress. That's not the main point. And I can even say that the, the debate on that is not settled, okay? Yeah, uh, because uh, you're
1: t- more than willing to admit and acknowledge that there are human beings of all different genetic backgrounds, and some might be more tuned to eating meat. Like, take Inuit just, or, or Aluit, people who, no. who live in places where there is no foliage. You know? Well, um, no, then they
0: have no choice to eat it, but that doesn't yeah. mean that we're designed as a human species to eat animals. We're, we're not. Um, but like I said... Uh, like you were about to say, which is that if someone were to show me that you got to eat chicken like once every two weeks in order to maintain a healthy diet or whatever it is, and it's a longitudinal, longitudinal study of some kind, I say, sure, I'll change my diet. It's not at all a talismanic approach. Now, so far, what I've learned is that all the longitudinal studies have shown that going vegan is the better way. And I can go through that. But Let's not even talk about that. The, the debate being settled there. I think it's strong. Yeah. I think it's, there are strong arguments for veganism, um, and I, I am vegan for that reason, but I'm open-minded.
1: Yeah, and it. also this episode is about things that are settled, not, that That's we're right. not things that aren't. I, I, I'll uh, name one. Yeah, go, go for the next because I've got one too. That is
0: uh, – You're not allowed that, to think what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. What, what, is the,
1: uh, what is the one that you would propose? Um, it's that uh, – The debate is settled that it's more ideal and people are happier and live better lives by believing in God and practicing religiosity than those who practice godlessness of varying degrees or channeling their their need, their human need to worship into secular idols rather than worshiping God.
0: Well, yeah, I I think I
1: I can. The debate's clearly settled on that
0: one. Yes. And let me summarize because I think I can twist tweak it just a little bit, and then, and, and then we can agree on this, that living a, a God-centered life is much more healthy and more productive and will make you happier. I think the debate is settled on that. And that's what you're really saying. Yes. And I agree with you 100%. And, and that's not even saying, folks, that uh, there is a God or not. And, I'm and not, you, you can even say yeah. it's all a big ruse. It's all a big pretense. But if you live that pretense, you're going to have a much more productive and much more
1: happy life. And I'm not talking about uh, cultism, where even people who are Jewish or Christian can fall into different flavors of their religion that have turned into cults of certain sects. I'm talking about normal, balanced, God-centered life.
0: Yeah, that's right. If you do that, you will have uh, great joy in your life, and you'll have a sense of purpose. And as we often say, what is the purpose of purpose? I'll tell you what it is. is to have a purpose.
1: Yeah, okay. and and the debate and science are totally settled. The debate is over. Science is settled. Right. Believe in God, you'll most likely be ha- happier right. than if you don't.
0: It is. Yeah, it's true. It is the greatest indicator. Uh, the greatest cure for depression, is God. It won't. It won't necessarily cure it, but if you want the biggest bang for your buck, so to speak, the bi- biggest big bang, if you will,
1: believe in God. Yeah, and at the top, you talked about how you'll um, play uh, hitchhiker on people's pleasure, like take pleasure in people's success. Right. And part of that is gratitude. Right, Being happy when other people are successful along with yourself and thankful that they're successful as well as thankful and really appreciative of your success based on the hard work you did and the luck you might have had and God's willing, as you say. If, you're, if you feel uh, gratitude, you'll be more likely to be happy. And that is connected part and parcel of believing in Yeah, being a God-centered believer.
0: Believing in something beyond yourself is wonderful. Uh, Here's another settled uh, situation. It is settled that um, the family is the bedrock of civilization. I'm not even getting to the gay marriage debate right now. But it's settled that family is the bedrock of civilization. And you're
1: not talking about the Manson family. You're talking (laughs) about mother, father, children family. Of course, mother, father, children. The the classic nuclear family, that's where it's at. That's
0: what has advanced civilization. There's no other exception, Um, no other way of looking at it. Yeah,
1: not the village, not the government, not the public school, the family. The family. We know that. Um, Here's another one. That um,
0: guns don't kill people. People kill people, (laughs) right? That the presence of guns is not what creates any violence in our society. Guns will always be there. Um, and no matter how you fashion them, people will find a way to create mayhem with or without guns. And we had this recently, in the I think it was in, in Japan, uh, where uh, some crazy guy, some, a group of crazy guys. That was China with the you're knives. You're right, China, with the knives. They, went, they weren't guns. They just went with very sharp knives and they cut up, I don't know, 100 people. I mean, it was just horrible what they did. These are evil people, don't get me wrong. But they didn't have a gun. Not one Not one single gun was used.
1: And the, the Democrats, lo and behold, did not suddenly hold a bunch of trials and hearings trying to ban the Iron Chef. That's right. From television. Lo and behold. And we do know, however, that what, the more you give guns to
0: good people, the less chance that bad people will use guns. And it's as simple as that. We, we have this, I mean, it's what we call deterrence. Um. There are many other examples of debates, folks, that that, will, that that we can easily say are resolved, and they are resolved. It's just that the left doesn't like it being resolved, so they will continue to open it up and say we've got to rethink it, rethink it. And I think Ari, you said it a long time ago. It's it's the it's not the one percenters. It's more like the ten percenters, the ten percent of society, like in the, the like in communist Russia, who completely altered the entire Russian history, by advocating this thing called communism. And 90% of the the population was against it. But it was the the 10% that were very vocal that ended up controlling and changing the the whole direction of Russia into a horrible country that it became, the Soviet Union. And and the echoes are still there. And the same thing is true with these things that we know to be true. The things that we hold to be self-evident. Right? I mean, think about the chutzpah the confidence that Thomas Jefferson and the other founding fathers must have had to say, we hold these truths to be self-evident.
1: In Al Gore speak, that means the The, science is settled, settled. the debate is over. The debate is over. And that's exactly what I mean.
0: The truths that are self-evident are the ones that we just spoke about, folks. That's what it's about. It's not, but, but the left will constantly try to undermine that. No matter how many times you try to show them, that's not what the past shows. And, you know, we 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 know that higher taxes always hurt everyone and we can say that no no country has ever taxed their way into prosperity and and uh that uh, incest was a bad thing and the family was very important and that's what allowed us to grow as a society you can show you can show them history and evidence till the cows come home but they won't listen and even with the global warming we're now showing them evidence until the cows come home that they're just wrong i mean we all those years that they predicted Incredible things will be happening. None of it happened. But they don't listen. And smart
1: real estate values continue to go up. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's right?
0: That's right. That's right. You would think they would, be, they would all be running for the they hills. They would be running for the high ground. Yeah. So, folks, this is where we're, we're going with this. The, the reality is there are certain truths that are indeed self-evident. And we went through a lot of them today. And I'm, I'm happy that we went through them because they're so clearly self-evident. It's the, the, the problem, and I, I hear the music playing now, the problem with it is that the left just refuses to acknowledge that the debate is indeed settled. So they instead invent other debates that they claim are settled. When they're not, they're not. And uh, that's the way it always will be, folks. They'll never give in to the facts. They'll never actually look at the science. They'll never actually deal with reason or logic. That's our debate, and that's what we need to focus on. Don't focus on what they say. Focus on our own debates that we see are already settled. Folks, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.